Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of That's What Be Said. I am your host, Bree Rust at Breezy Clee. I'm back, and I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View and Meredith Kane at MKN Sports. Guys, we love hearing your feedback. If you like the show, don't forget to share us, subscribe to us, write a review, whatever you want to do. We love interacting with you, and we so appreciate it. Ladies, did I miss anything? No. We missed you. Nothing. <laughs> we um, missed it you. It was pretty but... boring while I was out, right? Like yeah. nothing happened. No yeah. news. Nothing at all. Nothing. No emergencies. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> nothing caught I knew, on fire. I knew it would be, <laughs> be very low key being out. I, I did confirm with the Browns that nothing was going to happen. They assured me that there would be no action with coaching staff. Nothing. And, you know, I'm going to have to take this one up with Jimmy and D. Yeah, you're good. You should Directly. you should actually go out of town all the time, Bree, because absolutely nothing happens when you're gone. <laughs> I'm sorry I left you guys and everything <laughs> fell apart. That just means you're never allowed to leave town ever again. <sighs> ever. Well, you guys killed it. You handled it. Well, very very well. You know, we k- tried. Kudos to you, Bree, because what you do is very hard, and I want everyone to know that. And I'm sorry you had to deal with me the past two episodes. Bree is back, and she's wonderful. And thank you for being <laughs> here, Bree. <laughs> You know, I I was complaining today of having a headache and I'm tired, but I was like, I can't wait to get on and talk with my ladies about what is going on because, Mm -hmm. man, we are still in this coaching search and a lot happened today that we're going to get into and we are the lone head coaching job that is in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) Because today the Giants and the Panthers both made their hires today. And I was shocked by this news. I don't know if you guys were shocked by this news, but the Browns position is the lone vacancy in the NFL. And I don't know if I feel confident or if I feel panicked. Yeah, it comes down to, do you think it's a good idea that they have more time to make a decision (laughs) or less time? And I feel like you could argue either side and be 100% correct in your feelings. I almost feel a little bad for Josh McDaniels in this just because uh, this morning he woke up and said, I have three really great job prospects in front of me. I've got the Giants, I've got the Panthers. And I've got the Browns. And before he was even finished with his coffee and cereal this morning, two of those jobs were pulled <laughs> off the table. So did, did he even interview with with the Panthers and the Giants? He was did that happened. That was supposed to have been today. I forget whether it was one or both, but I I want to say it was the Panthers. He was scheduled to have an interview today, and then they announced their their coaching hire at like nine fifty five this morning or something like that. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's kind of why I feel a little, a little bit bad for him, uh, unless he knew it was coming. Uh, cause I guess he kind of has this decision now of how badly does he want to be a head coach? Because if he wants to be an NFL head coach, the Browns are his only option right now. So it gives the Browns a little bit of leverage, but I think it also gives Josh McDaniels a little bit of leverage as well, because he can say, I already have a really good job with a really good organization. I'll just wait and see what's available next year. Yeah, so. that's what I'm worried about too. And we'll we're gonna get into the head coaching candidates because I think what what worries me. You've talked about Josh McDaniels. It just feels like everybody just assumes that's a lock, mm-hmm. which actually makes me even more concerned that that's like the opposite of what we will do. Like it makes me question everything. And maybe I've been burned too much by the Browns. <laughs> it's like when you date someone, like 
you date the same person over and over again and you keep getting like fooled by them mm-hmm. I, I mean we talk about this all the time with the browns it's like the same like you start to essentially just assume that that's going to continue to happen yes and now with the browns being the last position available like i don't know if that's a positive or a negative it's it's the analogy of like if you're the last person on earth right if there's like the last person on earth and you're a virgin do you die a virgin or do you sleep with the bones that's like where we are Josh McDaniels. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, he might just decide to die. Okay, wait. He's, he's looking at this and saying, you know what? I prefer virginity over being with the Browns. I, I have a theory, though, guys, that okay. might help all the Josh McDaniels fanboys out there feel better. Okay. So it, there's a part of me that, yes, Brie, 100% and Meredith, I agree that this could fall apart and we're not ready for it and everyone thinks it's a lock there's another part of me that thinks maybe he told the giants and the panthers that he had intention of coming here and basically you know to not waste their time like he knows what he's gonna do um so that's one thought that i've had to ease all the fears i gotta say something though guys and this is i've approached this whole thing like i approached you know, presidential candidates, right? So me and my mom, we always watch the debates together. And, you know, we each have our favorites, which is fine. But then, you know, I, the direction I take is I look at these candidates and listen to what they say. And I try, I actively try to look for things that I like about each of them because it's, I know in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to get on board with one of these people. So is my time going to be better served you know picking out all their negatives or looking for positives in each of them so i've done the same thing with the browns head coach search and i've looked for positives about each one little tiny things that i could you know piece together and get on board with um and i think a lot of people they have their hearts set on like certain camps right and that leads to all this anger and all these expectations and there's gonna be a lot of heartbreak if josh mcdaniels doesn't get this job yeah i i'm with you Brittany, I've talked myself into most of the candidates that we are interviewing. So just to run through them, we've already talked about Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski, I would say, is probably like what everybody thinks would be the number two in mm-hmm. line based on last year's coaching ser- search in that he was probably the runner-up mm-hmm. um, after Freddie Kitchens, and he's a fan um, of Paul DePodesta. And then you have the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, who I personally really like, and I wouldn't be mad if he ended up with the job either. There's Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City, offensive coordinator. Again, like I think he's a really solid candidate. Brian Dabble, mm, don't want him. And then, as of last night, Jeff Schwartz was also intended to be interviewed, I believe, Thursday. But then there were a lot of talks today that it's potentially for a defensive coordinator position. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of rumors out there. And the one thing that I just thought of today as as the Giants and the Panthers move forward with their head coaching positions and who they hired really it just made me think that all of these guys that I really liked like especially number one through three and we didn't talk about Greg Roman who I know 
Brit you really like, but I like don't even feel like he's being considered know, from us. It, it just that. happened so early on that it was like, I don't even really take that one seriously. But it just made me think, why are none of the other teams like interested in the candidates that we think are number one through three right. outside of Josh McDaniel? So, right. Well, I mean, I'd also talk about every other team interviewing maybe two or three guys. Like the Redskins moved so fast on Ron Rivera and the Cowboys moved so fast. Yeah. The Cowboys moved so fast on Mike McCarthy. And that was something that I had tweeted this morning that if the Browns know who their guy is, like if they were dead set on Josh McDaniels, why are they a interviewing 10 guys and also, why are they waiting to interview McDaniel so late? I mean, after the Patriots were eliminated, they've got, you know, all the time in the world where they can interview him. I don't see why they're waiting almost an entire week between the Patriots losing to Tennessee to interviewing McDaniels. Like, that's such a long time. And unless, and this is another theory that I, like, flew out this morning, was Josh McDaniels just wants to use this as a paid vacation back to Cleveland to visit his his family and his wife's family and then just go back to Boston on Monday. <laughs> Maybe that's why the interview's on Friday. But I yeah, mean, that's, they... that's another thing that I was thinking of, too. You know, when I said maybe he told these teams that he wanted to come to Cleveland, but the alternative is maybe he told them that he it, he wants to stay, you know, uh, in New England. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I think he's probably going to stick in New England. I don't know why I just have a really bad feeling about Josh McDaniels and him being the head coach. And I think we want to get into some of the pros and cons of mm-hmm. each of these guys. So do you guys want to go through really quickly and yes. just or maybe not quickly? <laughs> this ain't going to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the next two hours are dedicated to the head coaches. <laughs> I know everybody wants to get into this. No, we've had a lot of questions on Twitter just in regards to the head coaching search mm-hmm. over the last week, really, after the whole – Freddie Kitchens, and then John Dorsey thing went down. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows that this is not only a head coaching hire. We will ultimately pick a new GM as well. So all of these things will align. And I know that there's a lot of pressure on the Haslam's to get this right. And uh, the one thing that I will say on my soapbox for a minute is I just want a coach to come in and not have the attitude and mindset of I need to fix the Cleveland Browns. Because I think that that gets – them in a lot of trouble because then it becomes this narcissistic egotistical story and mindset that just takes us into this really bad place of then turning over the roster and not listening and adapting to change or like just really being Mm -hmm. set in their way and I think that happened with John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens and I just I don't want to see that happen again so I I hope that whoever it is that we hire they don't have that mentality of I'm going to fix the Cleveland Browns. So of the one of the candidates that they've interviewed, like who would you say fits that kind of personality? That's not going to come in here with an ego and say, or you could say who you think might fit that kind of personality. So I get a little bit worried with Josh McDaniels about that just because he's been in a system Mm-hmm. that has been extremely stable yes yes <laughs> uh with the patriots uh-huh. and he's had a quarterback that is extremely experienced and a winning quarterback that he hasn't been in a system that has been this tumultuous and inconsistent and that worries me a little bit because it's like when you go from something that's extremely well oiled to something that literally doesn't even know what they're doing on a week-to-week basis sure 
it's like a shock to the system. Yeah. But I it's okay, worry... Brie, because he's from Canton. So that makes it all <laughs> yes. okay. And Don't his wife's from Parma or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're well, hometown. And I worry about McDaniels in general just because coordinators that have come out of the uh, Belichick coaching tree just haven't panned out. So that's one of the things that I worry about. Is oh, that is, look are at we Mike get... Rabel, though. Yeah, there. that's true. That's true. I well, do he like did, I don't think he coached under him, though, did he? I think he just played for him. Yeah, he, yeah, I think you're right, Brittany. I think he did play. But, I mean, I – I because the, the most recent – like, if I'm a victim to recency bias, like, I look at Matt Patricia and say, like, the Lions were the one team that looked almost messier than the Browns this year. And I don't want, you know, Josh McDaniels to be another Matt Patricia uh, – excuse me, Matt Patricia. So that's – that's the part that scares me is that I feel like there's more flops out of the Belichick co- coaching tree when you have his coordinators branch out and become head coaches than there have been uh, success stories. The only thing I will argue against that, though, is Brian Flores in Miami, who I know Miami started out a hot mess. But I think like what he did towards the end of the season with that team coming from the Patriots, like yeah. I I will say like I I liked what he has done. So I don't know. I feel like the whole coaching tree thing is such a weird thing to look at. And I think with Josh McDaniels, everybody wants to go back to his time in Denver too, which we can touch on a little bit, but that was eight years ago. That was so long ago. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to live in the past and say like, just because he had a a really bad head coaching experience eight years ago, doesn't mean that he's not going to learn and grow from that. Mm -hmm. I'm all for having second chances with people outside of Freddie Kitchens because that was just a nightmare. But I think the only other, not the only other, but the other positive about Josh McDaniels is it does feel like he's a Baker Mayfield supporter and fan. So that is one reason that I would be okay if he were to get the head coaching job because I I do still believe in Baker Mayfield and I want someone to come in and work with him and Mm -hmm. just essentially – he was the number one draft pick overall. So let's figure out if that's going to work because if it's going to work, we're going to have him for a very long time. Yeah, for sure. And I feel that my biggest selling point on him and the thing that makes me like latch onto him to a degree is the fact that, you know, I look at personalities. So I see Baker and he's sort of this brash young guy and he always has a chip on his shoulder and maybe some would describe him as like egotistical and he, he's not afraid to put his, voice out there ever um i try to think of what kind of personality would work well for that what kind of guy would baker mayfield respect because because to me that's the most important thing you got to get your quarterback to respect whoever he's listening to or else i mean look at hugh jackson right like yes baker was never going to work well with him we saw that very early on uh freddie kitchens seemed like more of a buddy type so that's not the kind of personality that's going to work with him it has to be someone, it has to be an alpha male, someone that he respects, someone that could, you know, put him in check when he needs to be put in check. Cause he does, he's young and he does things that, and says things that maybe he shouldn't. Um, they need to keep him focused and it's gotta be someone, I think of the, of the bunch, Josh McDaniels is the one that does that the most, or he has potential to do that the most. On the flip side, it could be a huge disaster. You know, when you put two alpha males together, sometimes it's a complete <laughs> disaster, yep. but I I think that that would be the best fit for him specifically. And that's why I do like Josh McDaniels a lot. So the other number two, I would say number two in the running is our guy, Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. And let me just be clear here. Not because of his looks, people. Wait, am I allowed to, even, am I allowed to talk about him on my podcast? No. Is that no, allowed? allowed? Am I allowed no. to even say his name on here? 
No, yes, because I you permission. Uh, no, I was about to say no because you had the audacity to comment on his looks that one time like two weeks ago. <laughs> Can you imagine? So Why did I not get any heat? Like I've talked about like every single head coach and things that I've liked about every single head coach candidate. Nobody can, like I. I'm a fan girl of Greg Roman too. But everyone seems to conveniently forget that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, and I wouldn't say that's based on looks. <laughs> <laughs> Although, no offense, Roman. When the, everyone the has you, a type. Did you see that picture that the Browns, like, they put on Instagram when they interviewed yes. him? And my friend sent me, said, Daddy underneath. I <laughs> lost my mind. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, Stevan, Stevan, Stevan Kafanski. Kevin Stefanski <laughs> <Stavansky. laughs> uh, is the current OC uh, at, in Minnesota with the Vikings. They obviously had a pretty big playoff win over the weekend, and I think that maybe bumps him up on some other people's radar. But I will say, Brittany, you posted a really good article about him last mm-hmm. week before he even, they even won the playoff game. And what I like about him is the fact that he seems to understand the strengths of the roster and the players on the team and building out an offense and a scheme that fits those players. And I think, again, this could be really beneficial to Baker Mayfield and our offensive side of the ball where we really struggled this year and building something special on that side. And then I think on the flip side, you would need to get someone from a defensive standpoint to really help fill in the holes on the defensive side because I do think we we did struggle at the end of the year from a defensive side but I like the idea of what Kevin could do if he brought in a really um, good staff around him with the offense right and I think number one the fact that De Podesta seems so kind of enamored with the guy um speaks highly because I do think (laughs) you know if the if the choice was between Freddie Kitchens and Kevin Stefanski, I mean, on the flip side, how like how if you're Kevin Stefanski and they're bringing you around for a second time after you got passed on for Freddie Kitchens, like how do you feel about yourself about this organization? <laughs> like, yeah, uh... exactly. That's like what makes me worried about this whole thing. It's like, yeah, the Browns the last head coaching position of, available, but like I still don't even feel like that is an advantage for us, right? Well, also, it's kind of like, I was going to say, when it's it's kind of like when you, uh, if you get, like, dumped or something, or you try to go after someone, and they turn you down, and you come back a year later, and they're like, oh, sorry, I made such a huge mistake, it should have been you, and you're like, yeah, that's right. Right. I feel like that's how, like, Kevin Stefanski's going to, like, walk into Berea if he... I don't know if he's coming to Berea or if the search is going to Minneapolis, but, I mean, honestly, if that's... If that was me like if I was Kevin Stefanski that's how I would approach it I would look at them in the face and say you didn't hire me last year and look Mm -hmm. at the mistake you made look what you missed yeah exactly and I also feel bad because I feel like he's at a disadvantage because with the fans not with the franchise but the fans they they have already very much latched on to Josh McDaniels which is fine um I don't think that's the smartest approach I think you should look for things that you like in each of these guys but they don't want to do that so that's fine um and it feels like, you know, when we made the points that he works with a, a similar arsenal on his offense, he he's shown what he can do. Somehow that gets flipped into, well, is it him or is it uh, Gary Kubiak? And yeah, it's always exactly. like when he when the offense goes well and, you know, they're looking good, which they did for the most part on Saturday or Sunday, 
um, everyone wanted to jump on and say, well, it looks good because of Kubiak. But then, you know, when they got to the in the red zone and they were trying to push it in and they did it twice and it was not great. But of course, that gets blamed on him. And it's like, OK, you guys can't have it both ways. You either need to give him credit or, or you know, blame him. for it. But you you got to meet somewhere in the middle and say, OK, maybe a little bit is because of him. Right. But they won't do that. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point because the third candidate that we have on our list is Robert Sala. And it, like kind of the same thing was happening with him, current 49ers defensive coordinator. Obviously, we played the 49ers and we got destroyed on national television. And mm-hmm. they had a pretty solid defensive performance against us. And now, again, like you have people coming out from Brown's fandom side saying, well, it's actually really their defensive line coach, and it's mm-hmm. not even Robert Sallet. So it, it, you know, like, okay, yes. great. But, like, why don't we focus on the positive exactly. here and not focus on who else it could be? Because right. guess what? We just had Freddie Kitchens for an entire year. <laughs> right. And uh, I understand when people say, well, I don't want a guy that's never been a head coach before. Okay, I get that. You know, that makes sense. If you don't feel comfortable with them hiring, you know, offensive or defensive coordinator, that's fine. But, you know, when it comes to Josh McDaniels, he, granted, he's he's been a head coach before. It was bad. But you can't say yes. that because it's been <laughs> eight years. So you can't judge him based off that. But you can judge him because he's been a head coach. You just can't look at his record when you do it. Yeah. And then, like, the, the other thing, the, the whole this the whole argument of you need a head coaching experience, we didn't even – decide to interview Jason Garrett mm-hmm. but had we have decided to interview Jason Garrett it would be like oh he's a horrible head coach yes so it's it no matter who that the Browns decide to interview and bring in the Browns fans will find something negative yes and I don't want to blame all Browns fans because there are some positive ones out there but it does feel like you argue one thing and then with another candidate you argue the exact opposite so listen we know nothing more than anyone else we might know more than the than the people on the actual interview panel um, that's very I don't know. true <laughs> yeah i actually think we should just put it up for a vote you know like maybe a presidential poll let the <laughs> let the fans decide should, should we have right. an do we need to have an electoral college in we need an electoral college because the popular vote cannot win <laughs> i think the popular vote would be josh mcdaniels but i think there needs to be an electoral college oh yeah i think <laughs> so. our our whole point here is that we want people to look for things that they like about each and not focus so much on things you don't like because it's the browns and you never know how this search is going to go you never know which direction they're going to go you think it's mcdaniels but it very well could be any of the, literally any one of the other guys so you got to prepare yourself for that and look for things that you can get on board with because this is the guy you're going to get stuck with for a while, maybe. How do you guys <laughs> or, or feel about? <laughs> how do you guys feel about Robert? I'm going to call him Bobby. Bobby S. How do you guys feel about Bobby S. Bobby S. Um, the thing that I like about him is his. He has like a very infectious attitude, right? Yes. And you know he has he's done a very good job in San Fran. So I don't have anything really negative to say about him like I, I feel like I don't have too much negative to say about anyone I I point things out about McDaniels just to prepare people for the, the possibility that this might not happen but with the other guys the people who aren't front runners I try to focus on their positives because that's important to get people on board with these people so 
you know, again, much like with McDaniels, I think he would work well with Baker, and that's an important part of this whole thing. I think Brian Dable was just a pity interview, though. Like, <laughs> like I really do, because I just don't think that he ever had a chance at all. I just, I really don't have any confidence that the Haslam's know what they're doing. And we can get into some of Josina Anderson's tweets from this morning that kind of confirmed that fear. Mm-hmm. But it just to be like Brian Dable was just one of those things where. Jimmy Haslam was like, well, let's let's get a quota. Like, let's have at least 12 interviews. Let's have at least 20 interviews. And so who can we interview now? Who wants to be the head coach of the Browns? <laughs> who you do? Come like it's almost like the price is right. Come on down. Do, do and so guys, I feel like Do you guys feel like because you know, it was very important to us after Freddie Kitchens was fired to find the right guy. Like no matter <laughs> what, this was it. We had to do it this time. There's no margin for error. Get it done. So their approach is to, you know, interview literally like almost every offensive and defensive coordinator available. (laughs) But like they're due to me, they're doing their due diligence and they're sitting down with these people and they're all, you know, uniquely talented. So you want to pick apart. What do you what do you bring to the table? What would be, you know, your approach? What would you do differently? Things like that. And you're talking to as many people as possible to find the perfect fit. But it seems like. For whatever reason, fans are completely in a panic right now thinking that, you know, this whole operation is going to get derailed because they don't have their guy figured out right now. And we don't know. Maybe they they do. They probably do have, like, you know, front runners for the job, I'm sure. Um, I don't – I think they're doing the right thing right now. What do you guys think? If they knew who they wanted – they needed to really be aggressive with them because you can see the other teams being aggressive with who they want. And so that's, I think, the part that makes me a little nervous with all of these interviews because it's like if you know who you wanted or if you had your, you know, ABC guys, why are you interviewing so many people? And if I was Steve Wilkes and Todd Munkin, I would be nervous about this too because a lot of these interviews may not necessarily be for head coach positions. Mm -hmm. Like they could be interviewing Brian Dable to come in as a coordinator. And so then if you're, you know, Steve Wilkes or Todd Munkin, you're looking at this and saying, oh, shit, I have to find a new job now because, you know, these guys are obviously not going to be the next head coach of the Browns, but they could be putting out feelers for potential coordinator positions. So I think that has a little bit to do with it. Uh, And I think one of the reasons why fans are a little bit in a panic is because they see the teams that had openings be aggressive and the teams that have openings get their guy. And so now the Browns are the only team left. And it's, you know, again, it goes back to Bree's analogy of, do you want to sleep with the Browns or do you want to be a virgin? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would hope, I would hope that by firing John Dorsey last week, they had a plan in mind, right? Because you don't make that type of decision if you don't have a plan. But I say that in knowing that the Browns aren't the most, <laughs> they're not the, they're, they're dysfunctional. Like mm-hmm. they, we are. All right. Um, so let me, they don't let me read these tweets. Record. Yeah. Let me read these tweets from Josina Anderson. So she tweeted them this morning. Uh, she said, adding to what uh, Adam Schefter said, was told this morning the Browns preferred to name a head coach by the weekend. It could also be crystal clear after Friday they could react accordingly or there's a smaller chance that a development could take place next week, no later than the weekend, def- definitely preferred. Uh, in a convo this 
morning with Brown sources, I heard relief for more time available to consider head coaching candidates was told not to read into any previous connections as they really tried to emphasize there's no clear cut choice and that not everybody has had a chance to meet everybody. These tweets tell me that the Haslam's just they acted without thinking like they fired Freddie because it needed to happen. And then they fired John Dorsey because why not? We're just firing people. I just those tweets tell me that the Haslam's didn't really seem to have a plan that they just acted a little bit too rashly, at least with John Dorsey and just Mm -hmm. kind of hoped that the pieces would fall into place or, you know, kind of like just going down a random path that's covered in brush and hopefully it clears out later. Like that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I would hope though, that if they might've had a plan last week, it doesn't mean that our number one choice actually wants to be here. Right. So that's like, that's my other thought process of like, yeah, they might've fired John Dorsey last week going aggressively after Josh McDaniels and it, it, things might've changed this week. And Josh McDaniels could be having second thoughts. It wouldn't be the first time that that has happened. And you know, oh, I think these, burn. These, I know. And <laughs> Excuse I me, Brie. We're not allowed. We're not allowed to bring that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think nothing is set in stone. But the, I think the good thing is we have other really strong candidates that could come in and be a head coach. So it's actually frightening that the Browns are in a really good position right now because they do, they do actually own their own destiny. Yes. It's just a matter of, like, there's so much pressure to get it right. Don't overthink it. Yes. Like, go with your number one. Offer what you feel like you need to offer. If you don't get your number one because they don't want to be here, then that's probably better off anyway. Because what we don't want to happen is to hire someone that isn't 100% set on turning this thing around and making the pieces work. And the other thing, I just don't want the roster to flip. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I I want to have a head coach come in that views the roster as being in place as a win now team, because for all of John Dorsey's faults, he actually did a really good job bringing in talent to Mm -hmm. win now. Sure. He made some really bad decisions, but I'm hoping that this next staff can come in and utilize what we've already built, build upon that and really take this mindset of, okay, we, we might not win 10 games next year. Like I hope we do, but we might not win 10 games next year, but we might start building wins and then over the next couple of years we might get over that hump yeah that's like the super op- optimistic free no i'm totally i love super optimistic mm-hmm. free hello just I renew my her. season tickets now whoever's <laughs> all this revenge ticket season <laughs> sign me up for the next five years no the thing that i'm like looking forward to is like i look at the top three candidates and there's not one of them that i would be upset about you know what i mean so yes. to me like people are panicking and you know, they're going crazy and i get it like you don't want jim schwartz cool like fine he's not gonna get hired as a head coach anyway i really i think there's like a five percent chance that could possibly happen he's in the same camp happen. as brian dable like he was he yes. brought in as a pity interview right so like you know if you look at stefanski mcdaniels and uh Robert. That's what I call it because I don't want to butcher his last name. Salah. So I Robert. Salah. I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% sure it's Salah. I think I butchered it a few times too. It's okay. Yeah, I don't. So, you know, if I look at those three, I could find things I like about each of them and I'm on board with all three of them. So I don't think that the Browns are in this terrible position that everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people seem to think they are. They think, they assume that they're just going to mess this all up again. But really, to me, all they have to do is pick one of these three people and you could be on a pretty nice path to success. 
Well, if Josina Anderson's tweets are accurate, there sh- I, I'm thinking we should know who the head coach is within the next five to seven days. So uh, there probably won't be an emergency pod for that because I feel like it'll be close enough to our normal release date. But uh, I'm, uh, I think we're also emergency potted out for the time being. <laughs> oh, I'm on call. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I owe you guys a couple. <laughs> the next emergency could just be Brie talking for 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm just on a rant. <laughs> I'll just read live tweets of Twitter reaction. Brown's oh my reaction. god, that's that'll it. be that'll that'll be the bonus episode. Bree me Bree reads mean <laughs> tweets. <laughs> oh, but can we go back to Mike McCarthy really quick? Because I do yes. think there were a lot of people. Oh my upset god, that like I think a lot of people were comfortable with Mike McCarthy being the head coach of the Browns just based on the sole fact that he had an NFL experience and he was like a safe pick, mm-hmm. like the safest pick out of all of them. But the fact that the Cowboys and Jerry Jones got him and they apparently had a sleepover. Isn't that so weird? We can't ignore that. I mean, do you think that they like made prank phone calls to other people in the league? Like what if like they they keep dialing up Berea and like waking Jimmy Haslam up in the middle of the night and he's like, dang, damn it, you kids. <laughs> they probably they're probably the ones that called like the Giants and Panthers and pretended to be Josh McDaniels and like, hello, I don't want this job. <laughs> Please don't interview me. Yeah, they um they had to rent uh what was it? They probably rented uh thirteen going on thirty and ordered some really bad pizza, <laughs> had a pillow fight, and then said also, Congratulations, like- you're the nice head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I liked the tweet that um Shefford put out there when it said the source confirmed that once you stay at Jerry's house, you don't lose your man. And I was, I was reading that and I wanted to tweet and be like, oh, so I've been doing it wrong all the time. Like, you know, this is, so this is how you keep a man. Wow. I, I've never thought of that before. I didn't send that because I had, I had a rough week on Twitter as it is. So I was like, you know, what? I don't even open this can of worms. Uh, yeah, I think I, this I, is I probably... Wonder... It's probably my favorite story that has come out of everything so far was the fact that Mike McCarthy had a sleepover at Jerry Jones. But then also it made me think like one of the reasons why Jason Garrett isn't being considered by any other team uh, is because I think Jerry Jones secretly owns his soul because he probably had many sleepovers. And Jerry (laughs) Jones is like, you're here now. Like you can't coach my team, but you're still mine. Like he might be in a glass cage in. Okay, in his I was basement. just gonna say, like maybe yes. Mike McCarthy, like maybe Mike McCarthy was in a box in yes. the basement. I don't know. Like that's probably where Jason Garrett was too. For Get those that don't know what we are talking about, we actually set aside in the notes some time to talk about a binge-worthy show on mm-hmm. Netflix titled You. And I am like a year behind, I think, Brittany, right? Because how did you one... like how did you not watch it the first go round? Like when okay. it came out? So let me just tell you, I am really bad at binge watching because I don't have a lot of time during the weeknights to actually sit down and watch shows because I'm either watching sports or I'm feeding my children or taking care of my children, and then I'm just too tired to do anything else. Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. So basically weekend. you have a life. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I don't have a life because binge watching is life. <laughs> Um, but over the weekend, I decided I was going to start watching you at like 9 p.m. at night, which is why I can't do this because then I stay up until midnight and I'm tired because my kids get up at six and, you know, it's this whole, it just like all repeats again. But I stayed up late watching you season one 
and I got sucked in. And I know Brittany had watched it before, so I tweeted about it because I was really freaked out because it is a creepy show. So then Meredith said that she would start watching it so we could talk about it on the podcast. And for people that don't know, if you haven't watched it, the main character is a psychopath, and he also has a glass box in his basement that he sometimes keeps people in. So Jerry Jones <laughs> actually may be Joe from you. <laughs> yes. That's even what I tweeted. I tweeted when uh, I think I quote tweeted the uh, what was it Schefter who said that when Mike McCarthy or when Jerry Jones when you sleep over at Jerry Jones's house like he gets his guy. I was like that's well season three of you right there. Oh yeah, they could do a whole thing about this. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so great. I would love to see like uh, an ESPN thirty for thirty or like an HBO twenty four seven on like a night at Jerry Jones's house. <laughs> that makes me want to throw up. I know. I mean. Yeah. That would have to be like a Halloween special because it would be so scary. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know. He's like Hugh Hefner in a way. I don't know. It just, like, he, that's like what he reminds me he's of. He's like Hugh Hefner without the chicks. Yeah. But like, he, also, he also reminds me of like The Walking Dead because he looks like he was born in like 1898. <laughs> he probably was. <laughs> he's <laughs> Can so we old. confirm? Like he's 120 <laughs> years old at this point. That w- it wouldn't surprise me if he were 70. It also wouldn't surprise me if he were 140. Like the, the gap there is just so wide that I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's why Jason Garrett is not allowed to leave because he clearly has like the elixir of life in his glass box in the basement. And Jason Garrett knows about it. So he's not ever allowed to leave Dallas ever. Maybe the Browns need to have a glass box so we can like get our guy. Yeah. You know, like so. get him into Berea for the interview and like take him down, and, like put him in the box. Maybe Josh, maybe Josh McDaniels is already in the box. <laughs> maybe that's, that's why, why he didn't not, show up. That's why he's not interviewing until Friday. Right. They're, they're keeping him in the glass box until they know that he's going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, you have like Baker Mayfield coming down to visit just to talk about plays and stuff. <laughs> Oh gosh, this is t- this is going down a week. Yeah, so maybe we should transition and talk about another relationship that has gone awry. Uh, yeah, with- so the Cavs' love story, or not so much, with Kevin Love. Um, oh, <laughs> Kevin Love is it. not happy. He's not happy, and he's not even trying to hide it anymore. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, K Love to wrap up this show, uh, because again, like it feels like every time there's something happening with the Browns, the Cavs swoop right in and just have another storyline uh kevin love had an outburst uh over the last week everyone was speculating that he was mad at colin sexton based on a video that was circulating in the game um but it seems like he's actually mad at coach beeline and kobe altman kevin love also clarified and apologized um about his immature actions uh mm-hmm. recently there's a twitter battle happening between Ken- kendrick perkins and um taking shots at Kevin Love, Channing Frye is defending him, but also throwing Colin Sexton under the bus. There's so much. I, I don't even know how to summarize all of this stuff. So they just, they just want to make sure me. they just want to make sure no one forgot about them because the Browns are <laughs> such an attention suck at this point. And I think the Indians. So here's the thing. I think the Indians made a really, really sad attempt at trying to get a little bit of attention today by tweeting that Frankie Lindor was going to be at uh, Fan Fest. Like, it was like, it was like, they're like the forgotten middle child. Like, I felt so bad for them. (laughs) Well, they got attention yesterday when somebody tweeted that their payrolls, like, in 2018, it was like 142 million. And I think this year it's going to be like 82 million. So that caught a few eyes, I think. 
Yeah, I think they were trying to like save face by saying that Lindor They're was like, going to hey, be a wait, fan We're fest. a disaster too. Everyone look at us. <laughs> so, Brittany, I know you have been following the Cavs. I like have not been following the Cavs really at all since I've been on vacation. It's hard because nobody talks about them unless True. there's drama like this. But yeah. um, I would love for you to weigh in on this a little bit about Kevin. First of all, you know it's going to be good when I start a sentence like that. <laughs> uh-huh, I love it. <laughs> First of all, Kevin, the thing that irritates me about this whole thing is that literally nobody made him sign that extension. Nobody like held his hand and put it on the paper and said, here, Kevin, sign this. That didn't happen. This is a grown man who made a grown ass decision and said, I want to stay here. In fact, even to go a step further, Brian Winhurst reported yesterday that it was Kevin Love's idea to do this extension. So it wasn't even like Kobe Altman came to him and was like, hey, Kevin, you know, how would you feel about this? Kevin went to them. And I'm saying that anyone with any basketball knowledge whatsoever, me, you know, village idiot who watches basketball once in a while, I can look at what the Cavs were, the spot that they were put in. You know, once LeBron left, they were left in like this ruins, basically. So they only had one option because even when LeBron was here, you know, it was hard to get free agents, you know, good free agents to come to Cleveland. Um, the only way that they're ever going to see the playoffs again is by like a complete rebuild. Everyone knew that. I don't I don't know one single person who didn't see this coming. So the fact that Kevin Love saw this coming and said, mm, OK, three weeks after LeBron's gone. And then, you know, he wants to blame Kobe Altman. Well, he didn't tell me the truth. Well, Kevin, nobody like had to tell you the truth. You're you're a smart guy. You should have looked at this and been like, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't the greatest idea for me if I want to, I don't know, win basketball games. The next, like, at least three years are going to be painful. That's just, that's what you signed up for. So, you know, to throw these tantrums on the bench and on the court and, you know, throw your hands up in the air and act like a kid, I don't respect that. And I'm glad that today he apologized and said that was childish to me. I shouldn't do that. Um, I'm glad that he cleared the air, that he's not mad at his teammates. He's just mad at, you know, whatever, the organization, franchise. The situation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He wanted the money, though. Like, you picked the money. And also, didn't he hold, like, he held this, like, lavish, like, announcement. Oh, yeah, he put on the hard hat with all the workers. He's like, oh, I'm so Cleveland. I I, I was going to say, I remember listening to that live. Like, I want to be here. Like, you make this big ordeal about staying and sticking around and, like, that's fine and dandy, but, like, two years later, you can't complain about that. Right. Exactly what you were saying. Like, how did you not know this was going to happen? Everyone knew that this was going to – this is the only option they had. And LeBron Kevin, already you left knew us that. one other time before. Like, what do you think was going to happen? Yes, that's it. And, and also, Kevin Love kind of screwed himself with this contract because any other team is looking at this and saying, I don't want to pay out that money. Yeah. So uh-huh. now the Cavaliers can't really trade Kevin Love and yeah. so they're stuck with him he's stuck with them and it's i mean and for that i i put it more on on kevin love than anything else because like you guys said he knew what he was getting into and if he wanted the money that badly he should have known that that would have made him difficult to trade especially at 31 especially being injury prone like as a player i'm sure they're every single team in the nba would love to have kevin love on their team but not for the price that he, point that he's at right now Right, like the Cavs would literally have to like throw in draft picks just to get rid of him. And like you can't do that when you're in the process of a rebuild. So yeah. it seems like 
I mean, I don't know. He wants to go to Portland. I think he he mentioned that earlier in the season. Uh, that's his like preferred destination, which I cool. Like I have no like hard feelings for Kevin Love. I just think this is a, a decision that you made. Nobody forced you, and this is you're stuck here for a little bit. So suck it up and play, or you know, do the J.R. Smith thing where he just quit and said you know what i don't want to do this anymore and then you just stop showing up like yeah. <laughs> i respected that move more than i respect what kevin loves doing right now yeah, so especially I, to your point you don't want to get rid of you don't want to get rid of picks mm-mm. like you, you can't because like, no. you're in the process of rebuilding so you can't lose that value because mm-mm. of him nope yeah and i i'll i'll, I'll talk about the analogy that i texted to you guys earlier today about i guess this bad relationship uh, it reminds me of a friend of mine that I had in high school who, uh, I guess after we graduated from college, she got a job offer in Berlin. So she moved to Germany and, you know, soon after moving to Germany, she met a guy and they started dating and she realized that she didn't want her citizenship to be contingent on her job. So they decided to get married so she could work on getting her citizenship. And within a few months of them getting married, it turns out it was a really bad idea. They wanted to break up, but they couldn't because if they got divorced, she'd get deported. And I feel like that's kind of the relationship that Kevin Love and the Cavs are in right now, where at the time they thought it was a really good idea. And now halfway through, they realize it's really bad, but there's nothing that anyone can do. Like they are stuck. So I think at this point, like the only thing that Kevin Love can really do is just play his ass off and, you know, understand the situation that he's in. Um, Howard Beck was on our radio station earlier today and was saying that, you know, the mental toll that the rebuild kind of has taken on Kevin, like he didn't realize what it was going to be like. I think when he signed the extension, he wasn't completely aware of like the you know testicular fortitude you need to to survive a rebuild and now it's it's getting to him and he's he cracked like starting on december 31st in that raptors game he kind of cracked and so i think he needs to you know put on his big boy pants and take a deep breath and just play some basketball and realize that this is this his situation and there's no getting out of it right yeah i mean he does struggle with anxiety and like the mental side of things too so like that that has to take a toll when you're already someone that struggles with that stuff because it's not easy going absolutely build and I won't put all of the blame on him because I will say like to the ownership and Kobe Altman you also knew that you were going to go into a rebuild so Mm -hmm. like was this just a band-aid for us fans to say well yes we lost LeBron and we're going to be going through this rebuild so we're just going to try to put a band-aid on it and keep Kevin Love and have this star here selfishly to help sell tickets and get you guys through a tough time because like the reality is you knew that that wasn't gonna be a great relationship to go into either yeah and i feel like that was 100 percent a dan gilbert move like he needed to do something to make people feel better because i mean again anyone who looked at the situation you saw what was coming up and the same thing you know when they went and got della vadova i think these are like dan gilbert band-aids where he's like okay like i need to make nice with fans right now yeah. So he does these things. He brings back fan favorites or he signs Kevin Love to this, you know, max deal and fine. But eventually it's going to blow up in your face. And then what are you going to do? Yeah. And so also and also I think one of the reasons that Kevin Love is struggling and I think it's very clear in Channing Fry's tweets today is that I think when when Kevin Love signed this extension, I can't remember if this was before or after RJ left the team. But, you know, he's got his guys in Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry, And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, 
going through hell and back isn't so bad if you've got your boys by your side. Well, Channing Fry retired and he doesn't have Channing this year. And Richard Jefferson has been off the team for yeah. two years at this point. So he's kind mm-hmm. of like the last man standing. And so mm-hmm. he was probably, you know, okay with it when he had Richard uh, Jefferson and when he had Channing Fry, because those were his boys and they were, you know, they went through the same things that he went through. You know, and they they know exactly what he's going through. And now he's the old guy on this team full of 19 and 20 year olds. And, you know, he doesn't have his guys with him. And I think that probably has a little bit to do with him just kind of losing his cool over the over the past few weeks. Is He doesn't have someone like Channing Fry to kind of keep him grounded. Yeah. yeah. But like, I, you know, I think me and Kevin are like the same age, right? So, like, I would hang out with 19 and 20-year-olds if it meant I was going to get, like, $140 million or whatever oh, it is. Oh, me too. Right? Oh, so, easily, like, yeah. I would put on my big girl pants and be like, hey, you know what? I will do whatever you want. <laughs> well, not whatever. <laughs> be careful with your words. You'll be in a box. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you might wind up in a glass box in somebody's basement. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, you chose the money, so you got to pay the price, right? This yeah. is it. This is what yes. you chose, man. Man, I, I, want a, I, want, I want a job where I can get paid $140 million to hang out with a 19-year-old. I would right. do it. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to go in the box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know I'm a little crazy, but I'm not that crazy. <laughs> oh, the box. Well, guys, should we end it Should we end it on that note? I, I think, think that's so. a good place to end. I think so. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to episode 13 of That's What B Said. Make sure you subscribe to our show um, via iTunes, um, Spotify, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate and review us. Continue to interact with us on Twitter, and we will talk next week. Maybe we'll have a new head coach. 